here, there, and everywhere. SAFM 106.2 FM in Tohoyando. The viewpoint, 8 to 10 p.m. Turning conventional wisdom on its head. What goes up goes down. What goes down goes up. It certainly is the case here. Fuel price. Is it none of your business? Best believe it is. Although the finance minister, Enoch Godongwana, announced a temporary emergency intervention to reduce the general fuel levy by one rand fifty per litre to cushion cash-strapped consumers, the department, that's Mineral Resources and Energy, has announced an increase in all grades of petrol, diesel and paraffin. It remains, of course, to be seen how the intervention will help cushion consumers from the sky-high fuel prices, unprecedented in this democratic era, certainly. Not even a week has passed since the announcement of the decrease, and the fuel price is already going up. Help us understand what's going on here. Spokesperson for Automobile Association, otherwise AA, Mr. Leighton Beard is on the line to help us. Leighton, good evening. Thanks for your time. Thank you. Good to, good to be with you. Thank you for having me. Am I supposed to jump for joy or jump in despair? <laughs> I can't do both. Yeah, I think you're in the same boat as pretty much every other South African. It's a little confusing because on the one hand, the government gives, but on the other hand, unfortunately, the fuel price is taking away. Um, look, I think, you know, with the one rand fifty um, concession that government gave on the, on the fuel levy, on the general fuel mm. levy, um, you know, it, it obviously is very welcome. And, I mean, let's consider the alternative. We were staring down the barrel of an increase of one rand seventy seven to the um to the fuel price, to the petrol price. Uh now it's 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 twenty seven, twenty eight cents. So um, you know, with with without this concession, the increases that were announced today would have been a lot more significant and would have hit home a lot harder. I'm not saying that what we've got isn't isn't um isn't bad as it stands. Um, could be worse. It would have been a lot worse. That's what South Africans want to hear, but they don't even want to be engaged in this conversation because at some point there is a critical line that is drawn and said, irrespective of what happens beyond this point, it will never be justified that we have per litre something in the region of 20 rand. A litre of diesel, paraffin, petrol, you call it. And South Africans now need to understand perhaps what really are the systemic issues. You've probably answered and fielded this question a hundred times before, and I'm going to ask it because even I, as exposed as I may be to this space of being in an inquiring environment, I don't understand how we get to a point where we are the ones who receive fuel first with whatever is the sort of distribution cost associated with that in South Africa are paying per litre of petrol 20 rand, let's just say, for ease of reference, and a country who get their fuel through South African ports and transport systems and whatever else that would invariably cost to move from Cape Town or from a port of Enrocha or even Durban to get into Sadek, they would be paying less for the same litre of petrol that would have come through. That is a mind something, and you know what the expletive would be. Help us understand that. Look, I mean, the, the, the main reason behind that is that we pay six rand and eleven cents to every litre of fuel goes to taxes. 
And it's because of those taxes that we're paying more in South Africa than we would, for instance, in Eswatini or Botswana or Namibia um, or, or one of those neighboring countries that sources their fuel from South Africa. Yes. Um, and and we, we pay those taxes and they generate around 130, 140 billion rand a year for government. 40, 45 billion rand goes to the road accident fund uh, and the rest goes to the general fuel levy. And that general fuel levy is used, um, it goes to the general fiscus. It can be used for anything government sees fit. It can be used to buy medicines, to build schools, um, to fix roads. It's not road specific, but it can be yes. used for that. Yes. So it's, it's that really that makes the difference between our costs and the costs that people who source their fuel from South Africa actually pay for it. But therein lies a very, very, very big question and debate. And that debate and question is, would South Africans feel um, easier paying that money? Would it be more palatable to South Africans if that money was actually utilized and allocated in a proper manner? In other words, was it free of corruption? Um, was that money used to upgrade things that needed to be upgraded? Um, was it allocated and appropriated properly? So that is the real debate. And I think, you know, if, 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 if the answer to that question is yes, that money isn't uh, uh, corrupted, it isn't stolen, it is used for proper means, it is allocated properly, there's, not, there's nothing um, untoward in that money being spent, I think South Africans would be would find it a little bit more palatable, especially in the context of the fact that South Africa's rising fuel costs are not unique to South Africa. What we're seeing in terms of the record fuel prices, are uh, it's, it's a scenario that's playing out in almost every other country in the world. In Europe, in North America, in Asia, people are struggling as well with these massive fuel prices. Mm. The difference, of course, in South Africa is we have a weak economy that's struggling, and we have massive unemployment. Now, when you compare, when you take those two factors into consideration, it's very difficult to compare the rising fuel costs here to the rising fuel costs in other parts of the world because I think the problems here are exacerbated and they're exacerbating yeah, yeah. the issues around fuel. So, you know, I think that's the big debate. And that's the reason why essentially we're paying more than our, neighboring, uh, than our neighbors because we've got those taxes on it. And it was exactly that one tax that the minister last week announced would be cut by one rand fifty. Did he go far enough? Are other taxes in the, uh, should should mm-hmm. other taxes be mm-hmm. be considered to be cut? I think that's the next logical question that needs to be asked. So essentially, every time I go to the pump, and I mean this is stating the obvious, I must know that I am essentially being taxed by yes. the government to run government programs, and perhaps I'm being taxed because I have the privilege of affording a vehicle. But well, let, sorry, just just yeah, on that, yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> the, the the answer to your question is yes, and yes, yes, yes. And I'll tell you why I say it that way. Because, yes, you have the privilege of a vehicle, and, yes, you are using that vehicle, uh, and and you you get around and you're mobile, and that's great, and, 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 you know, you're part of the economy. But if you are somebody who is living on the breadline, perhaps somebody who is unemployed, um, somebody who's living in a a, a township somewhere who doesn't have access to electricity or water or public transport or whatever, you are also indirectly paying that tax because it's being passed on to you by the manufacturers and the agricultural sector and the road freight, everybody in that value chain who actually has to get product to market. And so, yes, you are paying for it if you have a car, but you are paying for it if you don't have a car because you're a citizen of this country. What is the argument that could be advanced for a more deregulated um, petroleum industry? Of course, the obvious issue or the stumbling block to that would be revenue collection 
by necessary implication would decrease dramatically and it would have to be found from somewhere else. But aside mm. that point for a moment, what else stands in the way for deregulation? Or is that the only issue and that's the only very important issue? I'm not sure that it is the only important issue because if you were to deregulate fuel, it wouldn't mean necessarily that you take the taxes off fuel. You'd put a cap on the price of fuel and each service station would be able to sell it uh, at a price below that if they wanted to. Um, but it may still include the taxes. So it's not to say that in a deregulated environment the taxes aren't included. Um, I think the argument against that is um, would, it, would it mean um, massive job losses in the fuel retailing sector? And that's exactly what the fuel retailers are saying that a deregulated environment would lead exactly to that. We'd see closures of fuel stations. We'd see, obviously, um, you know, loss of jobs. So, that, so therein lies a big problem. How do you protect that industry and protect South African consumers at the same time? And that's the big balancing act. We've got deregulation in terms of diesel already in South Africa. There's a cap on diesel prices, but fuel retailers can sell diesel at whatever price below that cap that they want. Um, and, and that's led to some very healthy competition in, in many parts of the country. So you can go to one fuel station, get diesel at, a, at price A, and a, a fuel station you know, around the block at, at price B. Um, when it comes to petrol, though, you know, that is where um, the, the sticking point is at the moment. And that's one of the things the government says it's considering after June uh, is to deregulate 93-octane fuel. Um, fuel retailers are understandably, uh, from their point of view, not happy with this. And like I say, th they are concerned a deregulated petrol market would lead to job losses and perhaps even the closure of fuel stations. And that's something that they obviously want to guard against. Mm, I mean, there are ways to tackle that issue because, I mean, you could almost say that even though somebody here could lose a job, further down in the pipeline, two people could gain employment because now the costs of doing business have come down dramatically more. Okay, so let, let, let's probe some of the issues that you propose that may be, if you like, the collateral of a deregulated fuel, fuel industry. The time is 21.40. We have to take a short ad break now, and we have to absolutely take a call from John in Bulugwane. I propose both of those things happen after the break. Leighton Beard, spokesperson for AA, he's on the line. Fuel price, is it none of your business? By now you certainly know you are very much affected, whether you have a car or not. 21.40. The Viewpoint, 8 to 10 p.m. Flipping conventional wisdom on its head. Good evening, Songhezo. I am worried that because of how much people hate the United States of America, they have become blind to the abuse of power by Russia to the extent that they can't feel anything for the innocent civilians being butchered by Russia. That's the perspective of a timber in Rustenburg in relation to the conversation we had before this one, communication in times of conflict. However, more to this issue, fuel pricing and related matters in Bulugwane. We have John, our caller. John. Hello, how are you, Mr. Songhezo? Good man, how's it? Go for it. Good man. Look, uh, I'm happy that you you, you brought in uh, the expert uh, from AA. You know, I was some few questions because uh, just now when I was listening to the news, uh, listening to this fuel, there was uh, Mr. Marke. I don't know whether he was coming from he's coming from uh, energy sector. He he explained the the, the 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 increase in fuel that is coming. He he made mention of the the escalation of the war somewhere around Yemen where there are some uh, rebels who have uh, hijacked some pipelines of oil and everything. He even touched on the issue of Ukraine and, uh, and, and Russia. So now I want to, to bring it home and then ask uh, as a layman here in South Africa, uh, asking uh, our, our, our expert uh, 
Uh, let's say given all these things, given all these problems that we have, will we have a situation where we will say now the price of fuel stops here, irrespective of everything? Because it seems like because there are fires happening all over the world. So it means uh, we are going to be paying almost 45 francs a litre. I'm just asking mm. the experts to say, can we have a situation where we say, where governments say, or, or, or whoever, to say now, this price can, can no longer go up than this. It should stop here, given all this situation. Because look now, we're almost 20 to 30 then. And, and, and some of these situations that uh, the experts are explaining, they are beyond our control. Perfect, perfect question. I'm going to rush you. I beg your pardon, John, because I am running out of time. Essentially, the systemic issues that affect the price of fuel in this country, that's the basis of that question. And the better we understand that, the more we can answer that question. Leighton, your thoughts? Yeah, uh, you know, thank you to John for that question. And I think you you can hear in his voice um, how this has has affected him personally. And Mm. I think, you know, in answer to your question, does it affect you personally? Well, there's John, and I think he's a perfect example of that. Um, Look, you know, I mean, there are two main factors that influence the fuel price in South Africa. We know this. It's the Rand US dollar exchange rate because we buy international petroleum on an international market and we have to convert our currency and we do it in dollars. The second is that international petroleum product price, the international price of oil. And that is determined on an international basis and it's really influenced by these things that Rafael Marke from the DMRE was speaking about, the conflicts in Yemen, uh, the issues in the Ukraine. And why do they impact on South Africa? Because it raises issues of supply and demand um, in terms of the Ukraine. If Russia is cut off, it's one of the highest producing, well, uh, highest oil producing countries in the world. Um, if, so mm-hmm. it's going to impact on that price of oil. What he's asking is, um, you know, can the South African government put a cap on all fuel prices? Well, it would be very difficult for them to do that unless at one point they say, okay, well, we're going to subsidize fuel across the country. Do they have the funds to do that? I don't think that they do. Absolutely do not. You mentioned something, the fact that the U.S. dollar becomes the currency of exchange in the global trade for fuel. It may very well be, and conspiracy theorists are out there and waxing lyrical on what this presents, this war. Mm. Is it conceivable that there shall come a time in your and my lifetime where then the U.S. dollar is replaced by some other commodity against which the trade for fuel is concluded, be it the diamond or the dollar or a currency more to the east than to the west? Yeah, <laughs> that's a tough one. Uh, I have no idea. Um, you know, I think that the that the oil market at the moment is so... Um, so, excuse the pun, so oiled in terms of the way it <laughs> trades uh, and the way that cash flows and, and, and payments are made, I, I think it would be difficult to change that. It may, over time, um, I guess, you know, nothing is impossible. And I guess over time it may, you know, there may be other avenues and alternatives but to this that. Is exactly, I, I don't see it happening in the short term. But though. this is what gives the United States leverage, control and power on a geopolitical scale that it possibly cannot or, sh- or 
that it possibly would not otherwise have because the U.S. dollar is operating so far and wide of the U.S. borders that irrespective of what happens in the U.S., what is happening in the world through and with the U.S. dollar allows the U.S. to stay afloat. I mean, I'm going woefully off tangent here, but to a point, this takes one back to what was attributed to the United States of Africa dream that Muammar Gaddafi, moving away from U.S.-based dollar commodity trading. Surely that would probe, uh, I mean, surely that would present new opportunities, opportunities that on the face of it cannot be dismissed. I'm not suggesting that now you're going to be speaking on behalf of AA because we're getting into some (laughs) serious political territory. It, it is serious political territory, and, I, and you know, to be honest with you, I'm not sure that I'm qualified to Very answer well. that question. That's but, fair, I accept. But, yeah, uh, you know, I, I, I do think, though, and I think I stand with what I said earlier, that the current system as we have it is so ingrained and, and, and is so historic, it would take a lot to change it from what it currently is to a new system, especially in the short term. I don't see it happening in the short term or the midterm. If it were to happen, it would probably happen over a very long period of time. And after World War Three or Four, as the case may be. Leighton, um, I'm I'm sorry for just being an activist, (laughs) but you certainly did explain to us that this is everybody's business. There are some issues that the government has to contend with, not least to raise taxes to be able to fill out other government programs and services. So in the short to medium term, we should just keep Bracing ourselves, don't drive your car unless you absolutely have to, and just mm-hmm. keep sparing. You know, move from a five-liter engine to a two-and-a-half-liter, two-and-a-half-liter to one point eight. Move from one point yep. eight to Uber. That's the best you can probably advise at the stage. Any final comments from you? Yeah, that that really is good advice. I mean, obviously, just keep an eye on the petrol price. Understand the budget. Understand what you need to spend on fuel. And if you're reliant on your vehicle and you're reliant on fuel, then you've really got a budget for it. If it means cutting somewhere else, sadly, that's something you're going to have to consider seriously. Well, man, thank you so much for your time. You've been up early and you still have to be up early and you stayed later than what initially was the schedule for this slot. We certainly do appreciate it, Leighton. Thank you very much. Always, always a pleasure to be with you guys. Mr. Leighton Beard, spokesperson for the Automobile Association. Good evening, folks. 2148. I had fun tonight.